0: breaking it down with frank mckay this is 1039 li news radio i'd like to welcome everybody to breaking it down frank mckay here but much more importantly a sports broadcaster extraordinaire he's been doing it many years for a young guy russ salzberg is our very special guest hey russ how are you i'm
1: good frank how are you my friend
0: I, I'm thrilled to uh, thrilled to have you, and I'm I'm thrilled to be uh, be alive. And uh, I've been listening to you for years, as I said, off uh, off mic. And I, I'd love to get a little bit of your background. I'm sure the listeners would as well. Uh, if you can, let's start from the beginning. Where were you born,
1: and where were you raised? Well, I, I was born in the Bronx, but really raised—I consider myself a Brooklyn. I pretty, you know, all my formative years were raised in Brooklyn, Sheepshead Bay area of Brooklyn. Uh, went to Brooklyn Technical High School, and went to college uh, Loyola up in Montreal.
0: Who was the the sports guy? Was it was it your dad, your mom? Who was uh, who was your influence with uh, with all the sports?
1: Well, I, I I mean, you know, at my age, if you remember. <laughs> You know, your sports influences were your dad. But it wasn't just your dad. It was the street. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, uh, in my day, I was just talking about it. You know, like my kids went to sleepaway camp and do all that. I'm sure my grandkids would do the same thing. With me, you know, uh, I'll tell you what your summers were like. You got up at 7.30 in the morning or 7 o'clock. You were down by 7.30, 8 o'clock. You played ball till noon. You went up. For a half an hour, you came down. The ice cream truck was there. You, you, you had your ice cream, and then you played ball till five thirty. There were no cell phones. There were no communications. Then you went back up. You, you had dinner, and then you went back down till it was dark. And that was the entire summer. So, I mean, you you learn sports. Yeah, yeah you know your dad, let's say, but you learn sports in the street. Yeah, who who
0: do you follow? You're from Brooklyn. Are you a Mets fan, Yankee fan? What we? Well,
1: you know, what? I grew up, Frank. I grew up. Um, the '60s Dodgers were my team. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I, 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 You know, my dad took me to Ebbets Field once. You know, like I was five, six years old before they left. But um, the '60s Dodgers were my team. Having said that, though, if you were a Dodger fan, if you were a Brooklyn Dodger fan or an old New York Giants fan, and, you know, those teams respectively went to L.A. and Frisco, when the Mets came, the the Mets, you know, at that time, now it's a different time, but at that time, your early Mets fans were were all transitional from old Dodger and Giants fans to Mets fans. So the allegiance really, you you really did have a double allegiance. You you had an allegiance, let's say I did to the Giants, uh, to the Dodgers, and the Mets. My my Giants fans friends had their allegiance to the Giants and the Mets. You know, and and that's the way it was. You know, and in the early years, you know, if they played each other, it didn't really matter because in the early years the Mets weren't that good. See, it's an interesting
0: time. In in history, you're kind of like right on that cusp. Like you said, you went to Ebbets Field at five years old. Uh, was was the area, was the borough still feeling the sting of the Dodgers? Did you sense any of it as a young kid? That well, you, you, bit you of know, a... not,
1: not, you got to remember something. At five years old, you just knew about baseball. You knew you knew about walking into a place. Yeah. I no, I, you didn't. Uh, at our age, we didn't really understand this thing. Now, off parents did our fathers did they they all understood this thing like how could they leave but you know but they their loyalty remained I, I don't know of any Brooklyn you know I don't know of any Brooklyn Dodgers fan when the Dodgers left to go to LA I don't know nobody like abandoned ship they you know they didn't like Walter O'Malley who was the owner of the team but uh you know they uh you know They kept their allegiances, at least the people, the Dodger fans that I know kept their allegiances.
0: Let me remind folks that are just tuning in or maybe just turning on their radios. Frank McKay here, but much more importantly, a uh, a man who's been at this a long time for a young guy, and he is uh, he's been everywhere. He's been on TV, radio, and uh, just a constantly, uh, constantly uh, uh, building his legacy in uh, in Hall of Fame type. numbers (laughs) numbers <laughs> if there was uh i i don't know what hall of fame you would go in but i think you'd be a first ballot russ salzberg is our very special guest you know his work from wor and fan in the early days i uh, let's uh let's talk about that uh russ uh, early early on what was your earliest thoughts of, of the fan and uh and fan and what you think it would have uh been in uh, you know 20 years or whatever uh down the line did you think it was a lasting lasting uh situation
1: yeah well y- y- you know remember i, I came to, you know uh i was living up in toronto uh, and that's where i started my career uh i actually was selling to- I-, I completely started my career i, I-, I changed careers when i was up at Toronto, i was selling real estate and i just got into this broadcasting business but fast forward you know i, I arrived in 88 i'm um, at uh, channel nine and um then i went to you know i got a call and you know i was on midday um at fan from i think it was 93 to 2000 uh yeah you, you knew talk radio uh uh was there to last and you know especially in New York you know there there's there's so much to talk about and so many teams and you know it, it was an remember it was an exciting time i mean you know you had uh uh you know first of all in 94 it was you, you know you had the rangers winning the stanley cup you had the the nicks going into the um uh, NBA finals losing a seventh game. You, you followed that the next year. You had the Devils winning the cup, uh, the Yankees, you know, in '96. And, you know, so it was in New York, there's always tons to talk about. Yeah. And so, I, I, if you're, if you're asking me, uh, you know, talk radio, um, always has to be, you know, it's there. Uh, it's ch- it's certainly challenged now with podcasts and, and, and everything else. I think the thing on talk radio that that people have to be careful about. Listen, callers are extremely important. Callers are extremely extremely important. They're the backbone, they're the basis uh, of what talk radio is about. But but I just find sometimes people and and you know I could have been guilty of it too when I was on that. that you get bogged down on on one subject. You know, for, uh, let me give you an example. Yeah. The Yankees just pulled a trade, big trade. Was, right. You know, a, a, a trade that I think really benefits the Yankees. Having said that, to spend four hours in the morning or four hours in the afternoon just talking about that trade becomes too much, and, and, and I think... You know, the, the really good ones have to be careful of that. You have to navigate through that and make it interesting for everybody. Yeah,
0: no question about it. I mean, you you could tell some of these folks, and and I listened to uh, the fan. I, I knew from, you know, day one, even as a... Uh, young person i wasn't in the business i mean i knew new york had such a huge market for sports radio so i you know i'm always surprised when people said i was surprised it would last it was a big shock i think it might be the sexy thing to say nowadays that oh it was such a big chance we were taking it i it, you know we we have sports teams all over the play everywhere you look new york is a sports town by the way going back to 88 you ended up at WOR from uh, from Toronto, uh, and it's uh, it's interesting. It's a nice gig, right? Coming from Toronto, and you're doing a little real estate up there, and you end up down here. Did you have the OR gig before you left, or did you come down here and, and then uh, land the uh, WOR gig? No,
1: no, no. I, I, was, I was in Toronto. Um, in fact, I'll tell you the story. <laughs> I, I, I was in Toronto and um at that time i had um my daughters at that time were 6 and 3 my we, we had just bought a first house literally just bought it and did some renovating on it I, you know not me you know I had some you know take right. people to, to renovate it and literally um it, it was just finished and i was covering a golf tournament I was covering a golf tournament, a uh, Canadian golf tournament, in a suburb of, of a suburb of Toronto, and they come racing down on a golf cart. You need to call home. Uh, it's it's an emergency. Now my wife had told them tell him everything is okay but it's an emergency he needs to call home right away but it, it's not a bad emergency yeah they don't say that to Ugh. me now I oh got two God. little girls sure. in, in camp i God forbid you know my my mind is racing my hearts in my throat Jeez. I get to the phone and my wife tells me uh, nine wants you it's a nine what well channel nine New York you, you know my agent says call blah 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 so I get on the phone, and uh, I flew up the next day, and by the next night, the deal was done, and <laughs> the next day, that the for sale sign that was just taken down on the property was back up for sale. Wow, geez. And um, that was, you know, like in July, August of 88, and uh, I actually started my first broadcast, technical broadcast, was the night before the Dodgers-Mets playoff series started in 88. Mm. That, that was my first night on the air.
0: Wow. Now, uh, you were blessed by timing in, in some sense there. Just, uh, you know, amazing uh, phone call again <laughs> the the panic I, I mean I'm laughing now but I mean at the time you must have been like I, are you out of your mind why the hell didn't you tell me that she said it wasn't an emergency you know yeah no
1: no I, I mean mm-hmm. believe me, I, get, I don't remember exactly but I gave the guy you, you know hey, here I was I was thrilled that they w- were, wanted me and I didn't know like this this was not in the works or anything it j- just happened that day but you know I guess listen when the soldier tells you it's an emergency you, you know and they tell you but <laughs> tell him everything's okay, and remember, there's no cell phones, no nothing at the time. So, I mean, that was, that was the longest ride in a golf cart I have ever taken. Frankly, let me tell you that.
0: Oh man, I could imagine. Russ Salzburg is the voice that you're hearing, Frank McKay here, but much more importantly, uh, broadcaster and sports broadcaster extraordinaire uh, Russ Salzburg. I, hell of a hiring by them. I mean, I, I think you kind of just fit perfectly in. To New York, everything—your voice, your attitude, your uh, your, your diction—everything just just worked perfectly. And when you did those early broadcasts, and I remember watching you, I remember thinking that you, that I I knew you for years, or that you had been doing it for years. You just fit in so perfectly. Did it did it have a seamless effect? To you, did you have a feel error? Were you uh, were you struggling to to deal with the new gig? Was there any? Uh, it, it looked easy. It looked like an easy transition. What was it in in reality?
1: Well, you, you know, th- thank you for the kind words, Frank. That's the biggest compliment you you can give anybody. But anybody who knows me, I'm I'm going to be me. You, you know, I'm going to be myself. Um, and and that's the way I am. The biggest compliment that I get, Frank, is if I run into somebody on the street or I'm talking to them and they see me and they go, "Geez, Russ, you're just like you are on the air and you're the same guy off the air." And and my answer to that is, well, thank you, but that's what you're supposed to be. Yeah. You, you, you know, I'm not. You, you know, you, you know, my goal, that wasn't my goal. That's just who I am. I'm I'm the guy on the street. I'm just like you. We're just like the callers, the viewers. Uh, that's who you are. I, I'm not, um, you know, I've had a good career. I've gotten to meet a lot of interesting people. Uh, I've, you know, accomplished a few things in, in my life, in my career, but you know, you're still who you are and, and you can't forget who you are. And, and listen, we just lost somebody in the business uh, Bob Wolf. Oh yeah, I had him on. We have him on today,
0: actually. We're doing the tribute to him. Oh, you
1: know what? There you go. Well, Bob Wolf was one of the finest people I have ever, ever met. And and you know, I, I the minute I heard that he had passed, I had um, sent him, I, I had sent his son an email, and you know, he responded telling me that uh, I, I, I was one of his dad's favorites and blah, 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 and you know, he was Bob was a regular guy I mean, he was a different type of broadcaster but Bob got it and and I'll tell you a Bob Wolf story you know, I I still do my my features and my giant stuff for Channel 9, but you know I'm still connected with them, but I'm not doing the daily sports on a nightly basis and when Bob Wolf now this is, think about this a second when Bob Wolf uh, heard that what it became official, like one of the first or second calls I got from Bob Wolf, and I'm going back, you know, we're talking um, a little over a year ago. The phone rings. Russ. Yeah. Bob Wolf here. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Never mind. How am I doing? I just want to tell you, you got to keep doing this. You can't you can't stop now. You got to catch up with me. <laughs> that was Bob Wolfe at 94 years old encouraging me to continue to do what I'm yeah. doing. I, I mean, great. just a... You, you know, you got to be yourself. But, but you know what, Frank? To me, you got to be yourself in whatever you do. I don't care if you're a doctor, you're an actor, you're, you're a lawyer, you're a plumber, you push you a mop, you're serving french fries. I mean, you should be yourself.
0: Yeah. No argument here. Russ Salzberg is, again... Our very special guest, Frank McKay, here speaking with the sports broadcaster, and uh, the folks in the, certainly in the New York area know him so well, and folks around the the country probably know him as well. Uh, we have such a huge market here. I, when when did it hit you after the OR gig started and after you were on air? I, how soon did you feel like, if you ever did, I, did you feel like like a recognizable figure? Because you're coming out from you know oblivion. You're, you're coming from from Toronto. All of a sudden, 1988. You're there. You move your family back, and I, and and immediately you're on in the largest market in in America. Nothing even close to it. And it's not like I, you know. It's not like doing this in Idaho. And and by the way, you'd be a local celebrity immediately right in Idaho because there's nothing else to watch. But in in New York, there's such a volume of people. How soon did it feel like you were, you know, I don't want to sound trite, but how soon did it feel like you you felt like a celebrity?
1: Well, I, I don't, you know, that celebrity thing, you know, I never got too wrapped up in that because I said I was always, and I am still on myself, I just went out and did my stuff, and obviously it's New York, so you're in the street and and, and people recognize you, but I never really, I never got caught up in that. You know, I just got, what I got caught up in is just being a regular guy, and, and that's that, to me, is the biggest compliment a viewer or, or a caller or a listener can pay you. It is, you know That's what I want. That, to be frank with you, Frank, uh, no jokes intended yeah. there, that's the, that's the biggest rush that I get from people, is when they feel that they can relate to you. It's not the celebrity. I mean, celebrity. let me tell you something. Celebrity is fleeting. I, I mean, you can't walk around life with your head up your rear end because if you do, you miss what's going on on the outside. You got to you gotta be yourself and and you got to act like yourself and you, you can't act affected and you got to know that not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to agree with you. Listen, I'm an opinionated guy. I was always from the beginning. I am now. So not everybody's going to agree with you and not everybody's going to like you and you better have the damn thick skin. Yeah. You, you know, how the hell could I be upset if somebody's criticizing me when I'm getting on the air criticizing other people. It comes with the territory. Yeah. The, the, the only thing that I say is, know what the hell you're talking about. I would never get on the air and throw something up against the wall to see if it sticks without knowing what I'm talking about. I don't believe in that. I believe you got to know what your basis is, what you're talking about. You, you know, uh, like... Uh, sure i I've, I've broken plenty of stories but I, more important than being the first to break the story is getting the story correct
0: you know there there are so many people that we have on uh, on the show and i uh, and i had a guy stanley clark i don't know a great bass player famous uh, you know jazz bassist we talked mm-hmm. to forever and so much else and and he brought up the term jazz famous and what Jazz Famous is, and, and I use it all the time now, I stole it from him, is is when people know your name, uh, but they don't know what your face is. So he can go in Philadelphia, where he's from, right? He can go in Philadelphia or in LA, and he can go shopping. After the OR gig, and, le- and maybe I should have worded it like this, after the, the OR gig, how soon could you not go into the supermarket without being recognized?
1: You know what? I couldn't even tell you. You, you. you know that that stuff happened fairly fast, simply because it's New York, and, yeah. and there's so much of a viewership. You know uh, that that happened pretty fast. You know, and, and the other reason it happened because if, if you know anything about my career, I didn't spend my time sitting behind the desk at night. I spent my time going out doing stories, speaking to people and sitting behind the desk. And I think that helped me because whether, and that's, that's athletes are, are regular people too. They relate to that. You know, they might not like what I had to say, but if I'm there every day, if I'm, if I'm around the batting cage or I'm, I'm at a football practice or I'm in the locker room, Oh yeah. You know, I'm not hiding from you. I'm not talking out of my rear end at night. I'm there. So if if you have an issue with what I said, you know, I'm I'm approachable. People respect that. Athletes don't respect if somebody's just calling somebody an a-hole and and not, you know, ever showing their face in a locker room. That's a different story. You know what I'm talking about, Frank? Like like
0: keyboard commandos nowadays. Hey, Russ, uh, do we have you for another quick segment? We're coming up on a quick break here. I know you're on the run. Do we have you for a quick segment?
1: You got me for a quick segment, Frank, sure.
0: Russ Salzberg is our very, very special guest. Uh, When we come back, more with Russ Salzberg, talking uh, about sports broadcasting, his career, and we got him for a little while longer. Russ Salzberg, when we come back, right after this.